well, actually the first piece of it, all three of those factors, if you're making better your client experience, you can charge more. Like you don't have to just have the lowest rate. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. This is I Love Mortgage Brokering Live. And today on the show, I have Andrew Sauce. Andrew's a loan officer in Southern California, huge producer, really creative guy, really smart, built a great business. And so I wanted to have him on the show again, because he's been on here once before, and talk about the lifetime value of a client. Because often we can forget that we think about what a transaction is worth, but what is that, what is that, you know, that relationship worth in terms of, you know, repeat business and referrals and who do they know? And so Andrew has done a lot more thinking about calculating that so that you can make better business decisions. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. This episode also, if you're a mortgage broker and you're like, hey, I want to scale my business. So we have a thing called the Mortgage Blueprint. Go to mortgageblueprint.io. And basically, we've taken all the best ideas, concepts from 200 plus episodes, distilled them down into an eight-week program that allows you to take the best of that and go out and scale it. We've had fantastic results from students that have been through the program uh, because it just makes it much more efficient in terms of how to grow your business. So go check that out, mortgageblueprint.io, and check out this episode with Andrew. Hey guys, welcome to Idle Mortgage Brokering Live. Today on the show, I have Andrew Sauce. Andrew was on the show with me, it was maybe a year ago now, and Andrew's a loan officer in California and one of the top in the US. I love talking to this guy. And the last time we had him on the show, he talked about, he just literally randomly came up with 12 questions that he has to ask before hiring, which I'm like, how did you do that? Just like, just like click, click, click. And then he talked about how Google reviews and Yelp has been a big part of his business. And I know that in, at least for Canadian mortgage professionals, Yelp is not something that's really as big yet, but he just how he built a business around excellent customer experience, reviews that drove more business and the thing just kind of kept growing and growing. And so I thought I'd have Andrew back on the show. And so we're going to talk about one of the concepts anyway, we can, we're going to talk about a, a few different things, but one thing that I'm interested in is, is Andrew's been doing a lot of thinking about what the lifetime value of a customer is. And I think we as mortgage professionals sometimes get caught up in what's the deal worth, but that's actually short-sighted. We need to actually think what is the lifetime value of that customer, including referral partners, including, you know, repeat business from that person. And so I just think that this is a better way for us to, to look at it. And so I wanted to talk to Andrew about this. But before I switch to Andrew, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor. So uh, this show is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. They're a private lender in BC and Alberta. So if you're looking to do a, a private loan, please reach out to those guys. Style Stewart's an awesome guy and will take care of you. He's been a huge supporter of our show for a long time, and we want to uh, support him. So Andrew, welcome to the show. Scott, thanks for having me. I last time we chatted, dude, when when I when you had gave me that, I, but I'm gonna hire, I'm gonna do that, and, and you're doing ABC, and you go, no, I better go to number switch the numbers, and I'm just like, did you just make like literally do that from your brain? So that was quite impressive. And we had chatted before. I said I'd love to get you back, and one of the concepts was this lifetime value. So maybe uh, fast before we get into that though, just so what's happening in your world in terms of your mortgage business? I think the last time we talked, you like uh, what there was a large percentage of your business was coming from reviews, and you're like a ninety to hundred and some million producer. Is that about right? Between, I'd say, 90 and 120 on any given year. Depending on the year. Okay. Uh, and, and what is the division of that uh, business from, like, the source? For, okay. So the source is my business. Uh, it's typically trends about a third, a third, a third. So a third from past clients, a third from referral partners, 90% realtors, and a third from some sort of online, uh, mainly Yelp, but also a little bit of Facebook, Zillow. And those are people that are finding you because you have such a great, uh, you have a lot of reviews, right? 
Yeah, I do. Um, primarily Yelp. Uh, we talked about that last time, how my uh, Yelp profile has really propelled, uh, been the real big base of my business. And I've, I've used that to leverage out to uh, work with more realtors. And, and then obviously like those past clients, a big percentage of those were, were from uh, Yelp originally or, or from realtors who I got because I had high Yelp reviews. So right, yeah, kind of all roads lead back to that. All, all roads lead to Yelp. And and then the and the, the guys, if you're listening to this, like social proof is so powerful. Like we, you know, you go to, you know, Canon's website and you add and see what they think about their camera. You're going to scroll right down. You're going to go some, you're going to listen to a third party, maybe a plumber from Vermont who says, I use the camera and it's fantastic because we care more about what a third party says than what we even we say about ourselves as a company, right. Or as a, as a mortgage person. So I, I think kudos to you for being so effective at not only generating referrals, but using it as a way to grow your business. So what are you doing now? So what's something that you've, you know, implemented or changed to sort of improve your business? Well, um, my big focus this year is kind of getting back to basics a little bit. I've done so much. I, I've, I've put a lot of effort into figuring out how to do mortgages without having to go sell or be uncomfortable. Um, or talk on the phone. Do you like, did, or did you, is the phone okay for, okay for you? Yeah, it's more, it's not necessarily the medium that I'm talking on. The phone's fine. It, it's about talking to people who are expecting my call versus people who I feel like I'm, are not expecting my call. Okay. So I have a personal bias against, uh, not a bias, but a, a personal aversion to uh, actually prospecting. So I've done so much of my career. I've tried to sort of get, be smarter than that and build out systems that uh, do that on my behalf because it's not something that I enjoy doing. And that's fine. Like I could completely sort of rest on that and be similar, have similar numbers moving forward, but I want to grow and I want to do more. So my focus is to take that, that the stuff that I'm getting from is fairly passive. I don't need to do a whole lot of work on Yelp and uh, the realtors that I have. So I'm looking to grow my realtor base by five to 10 additional uh, new referral partners and um, implementing the systems to do that and really getting back to basics in order to accomplish that and do some of the, what I call blocking and tackling, getting back to basics on origination. So that's my focus this year is getting back to fun. As a guy who loves football, you couldn't pick a better analogy. Like I'm just, yeah. it's, yeah. It, you're right. You're, and I often thought when we talked about this, well, before we came on the show, you have built like a really successful football team and you don't even have like some of the base, like some of the stuff that most yeah. football teams have. And it's like, dude, how are you winning games and, you know, crushing out these numbers? So dude, I can't, I can't even wait to see what you're going to do in the next 12 to 24 months with, you mm. know, when you put some of this stuff in place on top of your current system. So now yeah. I want to ask you about lifetime value of a customer. So tell me how you, what do you mean by that? And then how do you come up with that in, in the mortgage business? Yeah, so uh, I actually got this from um, going to a Tony Robbins six-day business mastery event. You know, obviously, you have a lot of when you go to an event like that, it's not mortgage specific at all. It's you've got people who are own airline companies. Did you walk on fire? Uh, I did not at that event. At a different one, yeah, it's okay. not that that one is a different one. But the yeah, so I was at that event, and there's a lot of different uh, people from all different industries there. And so he, he presented this one thing, probably the biggest thing I took away from it is this concept of there's one equation that should kind of run your, your practice. And, um, and it's, it's basically the, how much do you make per deal times how, how often are you getting, uh, are you selling that product times how many other referrals do you get out of that product? So for us, I, I look at it, what's my average commission, and then I add to that, how many times will a client repeat with me mm -hmm. times 
my average commission over some period of time. And then on average, how many people will refer me to another closed deal? When you start running those numbers, it's obviously a, a significant factor above what your average commission is on a deal. And so how does that play into, into where your business is at? So first of all, you could analyze your business and figure out, okay, I have these numbers now. I can, I can figure out what are my trends for how many times somebody is repeating with me? What are my trends for how many people are referring me? And you can start playing with those numbers and, and you can, because they're multiplying against each other, a couple of notches up, you know, a 10% increase across the board on what your average commission is, 10% increase on how often somebody refers you and a 10% increase on how often somebody repeats. It's not just a 30% increase. It's like a doubling of your business because it all multiplies against each other. So it's huge making small little improvements like that uh, make, make giant improvements in what your bottom line is. So the other piece of it really that I looked at was how much would you pay or how much effort would you put into getting somebody into your ecosystem? If you knew that it's not just the value of that one deal, but the value of their future deals over a lifetime. So if, if you're not retiring in the next five years, having a bigger database means you have more income. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at getting that person in your ecosystem, doing a great job for them and getting their sister, getting their refinance, getting their next investment purchase. And assuming that you're doing a good job on staying in touch with, with your past clients and you do a good job within the transaction and you're asking for referrals, those your numbers should be significantly better. So what does that mean when you're competing for that initial deal, when you don't really have that rapport with the person and maybe you're competing for a deal like doing whatever it takes to get that in your system. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that means like, I wouldn't necessarily do this for this price, but knowing that there's future revenue down the road on it. Okay. So I have some questions on this. This is great. So I wrote down uh, average deal times frequency, which is how often the repeat times referrals equals lifetime value of a client. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So it's actually those, it's, it's actually average deal plus the number of times that they repeat times your average deal plus the number of referrals you get times the average deal. Okay. Plus times plus. Okay. And yeah. so have you calculated this at a curiosity or tried to like calculate this for your client base? Have you done yeah, it? Have you run any numbers? I here? have. It's actually, it's actually not a uh, trivial thing to calculate. I mean, some referral sources are obvious and some are not. So for instance, if you trace back a deal that you got referred from a realtor, you almost have to look back, well, where did that realtor come from? That realtor came from the fact that I closed another deal and they were the listing agent on that deal. Where did that deal came from? That came from a past client. Where did that past client came from? That came from a social media post. I mean, so it's not super easy to figure out the exact nature of like, if you just are looking at the most recent, where did that client come from? At the end of the day, like you can make some assumptions around. Uh, so for me, I get a closed referred deal one in three new clients that I do a transaction over and I calculate that over a five-year period. Five-year period, one in three of your clients will send you a referral. And then, so if you figured out what is, so do you mind sharing what, what number you came up with for that lifetime value of a client? I'll, I'll make up a number for average commission because it doesn't really matter. You can plug in your own number. So let's okay. just say $5,000 a deal. And then, so you take $5,000 for that first deal plus one in three will send you another $5,000 deal. So that's 5,000 times one third. And then- um, I'll do the math and then, and calculator. How many times do they repeat? So this one actually was able to calculate because you just figure out repeat clients uh, that you have and and, uh, we code them as past clients. So that's easy. So that one I had uh, on on average, I did a deal for my past clients two times in a a five-year period. Of course, 
again, when I was calculating this, the rates were at a low they were, or they've just gone through a yeah. low. So a lot of refinances. So that, that number may expand out. Again, you don't have to get the exact number to see the power of it. Mm-hmm. So if you make some assumptions that, hey, I think that somebody's going to do some sort of transaction with me every six years, you can determine what that number would be. So that's another maybe $2,500 on there. So the average value of that fine is the 5000 plus the whatever that we came up with. 1500 It's 1500 Yeah. Plus the another 2500 let's say. Right. So the average person there is worth what close to ten grand, right? Right. So it's that's very yeah, that's a great concept. So now you you must track all this in your CRM or something. Like how did you yeah. actually go back? Because you were we were joking off air about how it's kind of like Adam and Eve, you know, and you follow back to your original referral. And if you yeah. actually went back, you would actually find it was it would look like a tree or a family yeah. tree of referrals, and some branches would be big and some would be smaller. But how do you keep track of all this? Well, I mean, we always put re, uh, source code in in our CRM. But that's just really the most recent source of, of a, a deal. So again, like going back to that, if it, the source is from uh, my realtor, Brian, well, how did I get Brian? I mean, I got him because he was an agent on a on buyer that I got from from a, a referral from another past client. So we just, all I used was the most recent to determine that. But again, I, we were talking before too about, I think, most of your business comes from whatever the main source of your, like if you trace it all the way back, whatever the main source of your business was when you first started, mm-hmm. you know, your first, your first 50 deals very likely came as some result of your first 10 deals. Mm-hmm. And, and your next hundred probably came from those 50. And then your next thousand came from that 150. When I first started 2008, 2009, this is right when Yelp became a big deal for me. So uh, again, I can trace a lot of my stuff back to Yelp, but if it, wasn't Yelp, I'd probably be out doing something else and they would come from that. So it's not specific to the source as much as it is that origination. Yeah, it'll be different for everybody for sure. And okay, so how has this impacted now that you've got this different framework for looking at your business? How has it impacted decisions that you've been making? So So I'm interested in any decisions you've you made or that you're doing now that you wouldn't have done before because of this new way of looking at it. Yeah, so certainly it impacts what you're willing to do to get that first deal in the door with regards to either pricing or getting aggressive on that deal or advertising. Certainly like I advertise a lot more now than I did before. That's a simple ROI calculation, right? I mean, if you're looking at it before, you know, some sort of advertising source, that's going to cost you $10,000 for the year, you know, using that previous model, you would be like, okay, I need to get two deals to break even on this. But in reality, you only need one. Mm-hmm. you know, using that other metric. And and when I actually did my numbers, they were, it was a lot higher. Right. Higher uh, like than, higher was, than 10,000? It was a 3X, not 2X. Just out of curiosity, what platforms are you advertising on or what are you, what else are you doing other than the, like the, you said, the blocking and tackling and Yelp. So what, yeah. what are some of these things that are, you'll find working for you? Well, I mean, I, I do, uh, I advertise on Zillow. I advertise, uh, I do some outdoor advertising. I've got some, you know, a lot of Facebook ads, social media. I advertise on Yelp. What do, you, what do you mean by outdoor advertising? Is that like a billboard uh, or something? Yeah, billboard, bus bench. Those are, I'm not actually a huge fan of outdoor advertising, but I got a crazy good deal on them, so. Right. And how do you find, what do you, with Facebook ads, just out of curiosity, what yeah. are you finding works for that? That's something that I'm a big believer in, and I haven't quite figured it out yet. So you're still learning right now? Still learning. Yeah, still doing a lot of testing. The great thing about testing on Facebook is it's so cheap. Right. So doing a lot of testing, I've closed a few deals off of it, but there hasn't been enough 
of a trend line to figure out exactly where those were coming from such that I could dump a bunch of money into it. So I'm not afraid to spend on advertising, but I like being able to test a lot first. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And and the Facebook thing is just that a new, are you, and you are promoting, are you saying, Hey, call us or is it particular? Like, what does that content look like? Is it a call to action? Is it int- like, just, just curious. Kind of a, a bit across the board, but definitely more call to action than it is. Well, there's actually two different, not schools of thought, but two different ways that you can attack it. Devil's all in the details on Facebook. So you have to really find out a good, a proper demographic in terms of what you're going after. Um, you have to use video. If you're not using video, it's it's kind of a waste because um, it just pulls so much higher, ranks so much mm-hmm. higher and better CPM on it. I think I like using a, a really narrow target and then uh, with something very specific, a narrow demographic to get people to raise their hand and say that they might be interested and then just spending a majority of your money retargeting those people with less pressured ads and more personal Right. Okay. So maybe if somebody's again, listening, I'm not a Facebook expert. Okay. So okay. I'm, I'm still in the testing phase on that. So like, I don't know that I would necessarily call that. I've done a lot of research on it, but right. I, I haven't. You don't. I you don't. don't want, you don't want me to. Be, okay. So our Facebook expert Andrew is going to share with you how. To, <laughs> <laughs> we won't do that to you. Okay. So this is cool. So the lifetime value of a client, and I've heard this concept in like business, you know, yeah. training in in general, and but I, 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 to be honest, I have not actually done a good job of thinking about that with even with my own clients. And so yeah. I think it's a great concept. And so what other things, so you went to the, what other things are you, this, has this changed in your business? Yeah, definitely on the acquisition side, but also just more of a framework for how I look at every decision that I'm making within the business. Like how is this going to impact client experience and how does client experience impact those second two pieces of it? You know, well, actually the first piece of it, all three of those factors if you're making better your client experience, you can charge more. Like you don't have to just have the lowest rate, lowest fees. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a great client experience, you uh, are very much more likely to get referrals from people and you're much more likely to retain them as a client repeat down the road. And they're much more likely to leave a Yelp review for you so that you're getting more clients that they didn't even refer. Everything that we're doing, it really boils down to how is this going to impact my equation. And I don't go back and recalculate it. It's really more of a conceptual thing. It, it, it almost doesn't matter what the actual numbers are. So long as you it's know just that big, it's bigger than what you think it is bigger than that one transaction that's sitting in front of you. Probably even bigger than that. Yeah. So like it's probably even bigger than what you think that it is bigger than. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah like yeah. It's, it's actually a, like, if you start thinking about this deeply, it's a lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I can, I can run a bunch of different scenarios by you that would play out like when you start thinking about what's so that's the value of a client right what's the value of a realtor who's sending you two deals a month right so the realtor all of a sudden now is worth x more like a lot more so what would you do to acquire that realtor mm-hmm. uh, we're not talking about just like spending money but like what effort would you put into acquiring that realtor knowing that you know if, if you have like a really good realtor who's going to on average send you uh, you know, for us, like if somebody's sending me two closed deals a month, that's pretty good because we have large loan amounts. That's not worth just the value of those deals. It's worth the value of those deals multiplied through the through the lifetime value of what those clients are, assuming that you're doing a good job. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things you mentioned about, and I could see when you think of, you're breaking down your business this way, you've got the initial client, which you have a client experience on, you've got repeat business, and then you've got referrals. And so if you attack, how do I get more repeat business? So you could, if you put energy into, mm-hmm. you know, your database to get more repeat business, that's going to increase the number. If you put energy yeah. into, you know, referrals, that will also increase the number. So you could actually kind of almost graph it out and be like, okay, we're really focusing on client experience, which is the in transaction, then we're going to focus on our, you know, repeat. So how do we make sure they never forget about us? And then the third part yeah. would be the referrals. And so I want to, and, d- and, and, yeah. and quite honestly, Scott, they all, they're not linear, right? They all cause each other to go up. Right. If that, that, so if you're doing a really good job. It's true. It's, like, clients, all, it's all going to go up. Yeah, that's true. They're all go like, go yeah. Together. So as you get more realtors, you get more clients, as you get more clients, you get more opportunities to do more deals in front of new realtors as you get, more uh, transactions, you have more opportunity, you get more revenue so that you can spend more on advertising to get more clients, to get more Yelp reviews, to get more, like the easiest way to have a big pipeline is to have a big pipeline. Right. Hey, I want to ask you something about client experience because I know that talking to other LOs in the US, it seems to be the thing that they focus on. So how important is, and how much attention do you give your client experience? To say that it's primary would be understating it. Mm -hmm. I think it's everything. Right. It really I mean, there, there are people who focus more on their referral partners business. Like, uh, let me do what I can to increase your business and like really thinking about it that way. That's not my focus. My focus is let me do a damn good job for your clients and I will never lose you as a realtor. Cause what, what do they want at the end of the day is they want their deals to close and they want people to be happy that they referred you. Right. And, and communication obviously is one of those pieces that, well, is- I mean, yeah, yeah commun- I mean, that's, that's communication is almost a given. It used to be, <clears throat> it used to be something I was easily able to sell against. People are a lot better at it now. Right. It's like an arms I've race. In my market, people are getting, a, they, they've started to realize that over communication is, is kind of the key to getting, you know, keeping these relationships. It used to be that like, I, I would keep in touch with the client, close it on time or, or uh, keep everybody up to date. And it was like this big, huge Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Right now, it's kind of sort of expected. So you have to do other things to uh, to do it. So like as you do more business, you have to look at automating some of those things as well, and like really just doing a great job. But I think client experience is one hundred percent. I'm surprised actually in Canada that you guys there's not a bigger focus on that given the the frequency of refinances because you have to have the. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's becoming more. But when I look at you know just how a typical LO's office is set up and their structure, it's all the focus is around how do we deliver a killer customer experience. And in Canada, it still seems to be more independent. Like I just kind of do it myself, and it's really hard to serve a lot of very even very many clients and do it as an individual agent. Like you know, you can you're going to quickly tap out and it's hard to give good customer experience. So I'm obsessed with it because I see it's the, it's the defense really against the online discounters and the, you know, the Quicken loans is that you just have such a good customer experience that people are like, dang, I'm not going anywhere. These guys are awesome. Right. Yeah. There's a guy, um, I don't know if you know, James Pulsifer, he's out of uh, Grand Junction, Colorado, really super brilliant guy. And he, he said, well, we're in a mastermind one time. And he said, I do a lot of people's first and third loans, meaning they do such a great job on the first one that, almost too good a job that, that the client just thinks it's easy and it's a commodity. And then they go somewhere else and have a terrible experience. And then they come back to him. And he, so he gets their first and their third loan. Um, I, I find that happens sometimes if you do almost too good a job. Right. Um, right. Sometimes you have to sell to yourself a little bit and I'm not great at doing that. Let them know like all the stuff that you did behind the scenes. This is something that I, I obsess about. So give me an example of a, an improvement you've made to your customer experience in the last sort of 
quarter or last six months, something that you're like, Hey, cause you just said it's like an arms race and everybody's getting communication yeah. seems to be now the thing. Everybody does that. So what's, what's an area that you guys have said, Hey, we're going to do, this is our like in- incremental improvement. Yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, this will be kind of a sideways way of, of answering your question. Like off the top of my head, I can't think of something that we're doing now that we haven't been doing over the last year, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that I created a new position so that their whole responsibility is to execute on that. That's our pipeline manager. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that she does is keep up to date with on, on our in-process deals, making sure that all the wheels are greased and all the deals are closing on time. She manages all the, the escrow calendar. Um, and that's something that I used to do. So it's, uh, it's, it's freed me up to go sell more. Mm-hmm. I used to be obsessive about making sure that everybody was in the loop on the transaction and having that happen. It's nothing that we're doing that's new. We were doing it before, just a different person who's doing it and they're a whole sold. And they're goal. focused. They're like, that's their that's their spot on the field and they know. And yeah. so when you say pipeline manager, so would they be updating realtors on status? Would they be updating yeah. clients throughout like, hey, it's, you know, right. waiting on underwriting or appraisal? Like, is that what their yeah. main job Every is? Every milestone they're doing uh, tech, it'll seem like crazy amount of communication, but I've only had one person complain and it was because we had the, uh, the uh, phone number that we had that was texting them was going into their CRM. So they were getting blown up on email because it looked like a new lead. Mm-hmm. But the only person that ever complained about us communicating too much was because of that. But every single milestone that we have within the transaction, which we have 10 from application to funding, everybody involved in the transaction, listing agent, buyer's agent, transaction coordinator, escrow, any assistance, anybody who wants to be updated on the file, we put them in our system and it, and they get a, an email, a slide dial and a text message all at the same time, every time a, a milestone hits. And then, they also get a, a call once a week, uh, no matter what milestone we're at, they get a, a status update call. Right. Okay. And so what program are you using to do those uh, like updates in terms of the, uh, text? So the text and the email goes out of Flowify and then slide dials manual. Right. Well, we use slide broadcast. Right. Right. Um, okay. So this is why I love when I, I like, I love my Canadian brothers. So like, yay. And I'm you know Canadian, but this is what I love when I talk to people in the U S it's just, you guys are like just a couple, you're ahead of us in terms of the sophistication in this. Cause probably cause you have to be, is it, is it, is it competitive as a mortgage agent in the U S is it competitive? Yeah. I know it's a dumb question, but is it competitive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's competitive. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably crazy competitive. So yeah. And the the people in our market and the people in Canada that are like, dude, when you start adopting this stuff early, be the early adopter and you can, you can own your market. Like, yeah. you know, you can't wait on this stuff. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. You can either happen to you or you can have it happen to, you know, the people around you, but yeah. you have to adopt a philosophy you're, of customer You're making experience. me want to move to Canada. Yeah. You'd probably clean up. You'd be <laughs> like, dude, like <laughs> the loan, the, the pay is lower per deal though. So I don't know what your uh, beeps are per deal, but they're a little, you know, here's like maybe, well, depending hundred to 120 would be like, you know, standard. Um, um that, that's yeah. Uh, that's that's really good for my market. <laughs> 120 basis points. Yeah, my market is big loan amounts, so it gets more competitive. So it's you small, can't be smaller. Be, okay, smaller per deal. You can't have thick, as thick of margins. If you go, you know, in smaller loan amount areas in the Midwest, you'll have higher than that. But it's um, okay. Well, then, hey, you just set up an office here. <laughs> got it. In Canada. About it. <laughs> okay, so if anybody's listening, and you have any questions for us? Uh, please put them in the chat box. We would love to chat with you. Just out of curiosity, so what? Just maybe if anybody they didn't catch the first show, what's your team structure look like right now? Like, and the one thing I do notice when I look at Canadian, um, I think it's because of regulation. We talked about this. But you guys actually need more people in a mm-hmm. transaction than we do. Like, we actually yeah. don't need as many people to to fund as many loans. Um, yeah. So what's your so what's your team look like? I was speaking with a long time. This is probably 
five years ago, speaking of a longtime mortgage person um, who ran uh, operations center. This her, her thing. She's a big manager, had hundred people underneath her as op center for like managed underwriters and doc drawers and, and stuff like that. And she said, that, this is five years ago. And it's probably gotten worse since then. She said that they closed twice the business with a third of the people back in 2004, five, six, seven, even. Um, so the regulatory environment has gotten pretty crazy here with regards to the number of people required to close a deal. Now, it's nothing that we're doing is, is super complicated, but in order to close any sort of volume, you have to like really have specialization. I mean, so like we, we literally have one person who their whole job is to deal with appraisals, condos, and insurance, mm-hmm. their whole job. And we don't, unit wise, we're not funding crazy numbers in our brand. I mean, we're only funding 20, 25 deals would be a pretty good month for us. So, you know, there's people that are certainly funding a lot more than that. So anyway, my team structure is myself. I'm the basically sole originator. And then I've got uh, two assistants, one who handles like my calendar and my lead follow-up. And then the other one who who is uh, kind of my right hand when it comes to um, calculating pre-approvals and doing income and collecting documents um, prior to the deal being in escrow. So he's really manages all the pre-approvals. Uh, my assistant Marina manages my my scheduling and uh, getting people on my calendar and getting doing all the follow-up with uh, leads who I haven't spoken with yet. And then I have just hiring a dialer who will be doing a lot more of the um, some specialized follow-up type of stuff, but I haven't hired them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got uh, a, a senior process, two senior processors, one for the front end of the transaction, one for the back end of the transaction. So one takes it from application to approval. The other one takes it from uh, approval to closing. And then I've got uh, my pipeline manager and then one uh, junior TCU handles all the So how many, people, how many people is that total? It's, uh, me plus six, I believe right now. And then I've got, yeah, one more. And then some virtual assistants as well. Uh, yeah, a little Outs- bit outsourcing yeah. if you're outsourcing some things that you're not I've even out- doing outsource some, uh, past client database calling of outsourced. Who did you well, use for that? I gotta, I just gotta, sorry, you, you threw that to me the ball. I'm like, dude, I gotta ask, like, who do you use for the past <laughs> client calls? Uh, a, a, an amazing company called clientcaller.com. Oh, really? So crazy that you no, bring no. that up. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, our audience will probably think this is totally set up. Yeah, hundred percent not not set not up. Set up. Um, no, no, I just started using, and they just went through my first batch of calls, and I already got two past clients who I set up appointments with who want to buy rental properties that I never would have reached out to. Dude, I didn't know that. So this was like, I yeah. when I asked you this, I was just joking. Yeah. So it's awesome. Okay, so what else do I want to talk to you about, dude? Yeah, I, I know. So I, I don't want to make you depressed or anything, but I know there's a there's a mortgage guy here in Canada. And this is like, you know, they'll call it like Sidney Crosby or that's not even a good example. It's like Tom Brady. So think of Tom yeah. Brady. Um, yeah. So he's closing 800 loans a year and he has two people helping him, which is like bonkers, right? Like, um, yeah, I know. But that's not that's not normal. That's not a don't expect that's not a typical outcome that you'd get. But um, yeah. 800 a year, 800. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it on his case, same thing, lifetime valuable client. Like he, he has these contracts in place that bring in deals that he doesn't mm-hmm. make as much money on, but it's database stuff. He's doing constant, like, yeah. you know, finding opportunities that's in his database. That's a great model actually, is to have a source where you're, you're, it's sort of built in automatic business to get people in your ecosystem, even if a um, low revenue activity mm-hmm. initially, especially if you can sort of outsource that. So I'm thinking about like a builder or an HR type of situation where you have this built in knowing that it may not pencil out exactly on that deal, or maybe you have to you know, even like pay to be in there. Or it's an MSA or something it may not 
pencil out to be the highest ROI on that time initially. But then when you factor in uh, past client and where I came up with this, I had a friend who still a friend, still a friend. Yeah, I have a friend. I, yeah, so, I have one or two, not very I, many, but you know, when you go to I move, that's when you find out how many you have for friends. Like, do you go yeah, I, I, just just the one. Um, so he he out of college got a job at a builder, being like the builder's preferred, not even the preferred lender, the actual builder's lender. Like they were mm-hmm. uh, builders' company owned lender, and he did it just ton of transactions. Uh, that was during the boom, and obviously did. A, I think did a good job with those clients, but they were fed to him. So he wasn't making a ton on every deal, but he had that constant, but he never, ever, ever reached out to them for any sort of refinance, any sort of like keeping that book. I mean, he had this golden opportunity of this huge database that he could have built. Yeah. Stay in touch with, but they only ever thought of him as the new home guy. Right. Never rebranded himself to be anything but that. And by the time, you know, stuff hit the fan with builders and they went out of business and they shut down the thing. He had nothing to show for it. Right. Those past clients didn't know who they were. I mean, first of all, those past clients are all probably underwater, but, uh, they, <laughs> so they're they, not, but still, yeah, but, but now, but now they could have bought something, you know, right. Seven, eight, nine years later. Um, so had he kept, I mean, literally probably, I don't know, 2000 clients. clients over, over, a over a five to seven year period mm-hmm. that he could have been in touch with that even if a, a third of those, were loyal to him. He would have had a, a huge origination business. And now he's you know kind of starting from scratch. Right. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate your time coming on the show with me. If anybody's listening to this, you guys got to sit down and think about your business beyond the transaction. Like Andrew said, think about the lifetime value of those customers. What do they repeat business? What do the referrals look like? And make business decisions based on that, not based on a, a single transaction. And I think you're going to, and then put in systems in place in order to make sure that you can extract that uh, that val- as much value as possible. So, dude, really appreciate it. And at some point, I'm I'm gonna meet you face to face. I haven't done that yet, but if I'm ever down in your area, if you're ever up here in Canada, I would love to. Uh, I'd love Absolutely. to finally meet you. That'd be great. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.